0: Pittsburgh Steelers since the bye week are six and two. What changed, and how far can this win streak take them? I'm your host Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. I want to start off with an apology. My voice is kind of messed up right now. I have a sore throat and some congestion. A little post-holiday virus fun for me. Uh, hope it doesn't. <laughs> To negatively affect the quality of the show, just want to give you a heads up towards that. The Pittsburgh Steelers' win streak started with the bye week, and I'm calling it a winning streak, but it's it's a six and two run of games since the bye week. And there's a few key things that go along with this, both statistically and when you watch film and I want to cover those. We're going to start with TJ Watt. Pittsburgh is now 7-2 this season when TJ Watt plays. 7-2. That includes this entire run since the bye week and the Bengals game that started the season. If you take the win percentage from the last three years, the last three seasons after Ben Roethlisberger returned, From his surgeries. Here's what, like, the Steelers have one of the best records in the NFL when TJ Watt plays 28 and 8 overall. 28 and 8 overall when TJ Watt plays at least half the game. When he doesn't, it's 1 11 and 1. To put that into context, the win percentage of 28 and 8 if if you take that win percentage and project it over all three seasons only the Kansas City Chiefs have a better winning percentage than the Pittsburgh Steelers when TJ Watt plays if you take when TJ Watt doesn't play 111 and 1 is by far the worst winning percentage over those three seasons and only one team in those three seasons had a single season worse than that. And that was the Jacksonville Jaguars, who at 1 in 15 earned the number one pick and pick number one draft pick and picked Trebler Lawrence. That's it. That's how bad the Steelers are when they don't have TJ Watt, and how good the Steelers are when they do have TJ Watt. Now I'm using good and bad here, but the truth is. I don't know how much different they are in talent. I think the win percentage is a much bigger difference than the difference in talent T.J. Watt makes. T.J. Watt is a big-time talent, but this season, he hasn't been a major impact player like he has been in previous seasons, and yet the statistics still show that when he plays the Steelers are one of the best teams in the NFL, and when he doesn't, they're one of the worst. In fact, in 2022, the Steelers' 7-2 record, 78% winning percentage would have them be the 5th best team in the NFL and 3rd best in the AFC. They would be hosting a playoff game. They would be in line to host a playoff game. You go back to 2021, 2021, Seals were 9-3 with T.J. Watt. That would be a 75% winning percentage. That would have been good enough for third in the NFL and first seed in the AFC in 2021. 2020, 12-3, fourth in the NFL, third in the AFC. That's crazy. 2021. Think about that season. Steelers at 9-7-1, but they were 9-3 with T.J. White, and that's the best winning percentage. If they could have carried that over the whole season, that would be the best winning percentage in the AFC. I, I talk about this stat a decent bit because it doesn't make sense. You can do Tom Brady and look at when he played and when he didn't in New England at the height of his talent. And success. And it doesn't line up. You can look at a Peyton Manning. Doesn't line up. When he misses the team time. The teams weren't that much worse. Like they are with the Steelers. Not second best team in the league. To worst team in the league. Not that kind of a difference. Players just don't make. That kind of a difference. To win loss percentage. And yet so far. T.J. Watt has another big thing i want to talk about here that the steelers have been doing is reducing possessions this is a big one i want to start with this little number all right on defense before the bye week the first eight weeks the defense faced the sixth Most possessions of any team in the NFL. Only five defenses had to go out on the field to defend an opposing team's drive more than the Pittsburgh Steelers did over the first eight games. In that time, the Steelers ranked 12th in plays per drive against and 20th in scoring percentage against. When you move to past the bye week, the Steelers have the fifth-fewest, third, I'm sorry, third-fewest defensive possessions faced. They rank 11th in plays per drive and 20th in scoring percentage against. So if you're looking at how, how often do they give up long drives, how often do they get three and outs, stuff like that, you want to look at plays per drive. We'll kind of tell you that number. The Steelers before the bye and after the bye, the same. Right around the same. 11th after, 12th before. Compared to the league, roughly the same spot. Just outside the top 10. Both before and after the bye week, they rank 20th in scoring percentage against. They allow the same, per- roughly the same percentage of drives to score as they did before the bye week. And yet the defensive numbers... Are much better. Again, they faced the sixth most drives per game before the bye week, before in their first eight games compared to all teams in the NFL their first eight games. Since the Steelers' bye week, games nine through 16, those eight games that the Steelers have played since the bye week compared to All the other NFL teams, ninth through 16th game played, the Steelers have faced the third-fewest defensive possessions. Only two teams have have sent their defense out to defend an opposing team's drive less than the Pittsburgh Steelers since the bye week, from sixth-most to third-fewest. Again, they give up roughly the same number of plays per drive They give up the same scoring percentage against. They just don't face as many possessions. One more stat that is incredibly important here, I think, ties in to that change in the number of possessions faced. And that is the percentage of drives ending in a touchdown. Before the bye week, when they faced the sixth most drives, they ranked 21st in touchdown percentage against, just outside the bottom 10. Since the bye week, they rank fourth. I want you to think about that, because at the end of a drive, right, when you're starting to get worn down from that drive, the number of snaps you've played over the course of the game matter at that point. They matter a little more. How much do you have when you need to pull out a bit more effort to prevent a touchdown? How many times are you in a situation where you have backup linemen in and you're on the 12 yard line? You know, th- plays like that, situations like that make the difference between touchdowns and field goals. Players like Cameron Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, these guys make the difference. And if you're having to take them off the field, it makes a difference in how well you play. And if those guys are getting worn down and they just can't draw up and and do more, it changes how well you defend and prevent touchdowns. I think that's incredibly important. Sixth most defensive drives faced to third fewest defensive drives faced for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That shows up on film to me consistently. You, you look at the games before the bye week. when We were constantly talking about how the Steelers' would fail, defense would fall apart late in the game. Well, that's not happening now. That's not happening. They're not giving up touchdowns late in games. They're not giving up the long drives. They're going takeaways. They're, they're stopping teams. They're breaking up passes. They're, they're making plays to end drives late in the game, as opposed to earlier in the season when they weren't making those plays. Cameron Hayward, some of his best games have been the last couple of weeks since his numbers have been down. They've been able to play him like, like mid 80s and upper 80 percentages of plays and yet keep his snaps under 60 snaps that's fantastic much better than earlier in the season and that's because of the change in the offense all of this is due to a major change in the offense's efficiency before the bye week the Steelers offense had 88 drives in the eight games that they played That's tied for the ninth most drives. That's a top 10 pace. That's a a fast-paced game, right? You're, You're trading possessions back and forth faster. They ranked 13th in the number of plays they had per drive. They ranked 20th in the time taken off the clock per offensive drive. And they ranked 31st, second worst, in percentage of drives ending with a score. Faster-paced, not efficient offense. Since the bye week, the Steelers have had the fifth-fewest offensive possessions. But they are number one in the NFL in the number of plays per drive. They are number one in the NFL in the amount of time taken off the clock per drive, and they rank 10th in scoring percentage. If you look at an offense and say, this offense ranks first in the NFL in plays per drive and first in time taking off the clock per drive, that is an offense that is controlling the pace of the game. They are controlling the game. And the Steelers, since the bye weeks, their offense is controlling the Football games number one in the NFL. Plays per drive and time per drive, and they have a top ten scoring percentage. That's a good offense, and it's not just a good offense; it's an offense that is setting up its defense to succeed. They've also, aside from the one game uh, Mitchell Trubisky played against the Ravens, have been. Avoiding turnovers—that's huge for controlling the game. You're not putting your defense in a bad situation. Uh, I did a stats piece a few years ago where I looked at the value of turnovers, scores, punts, kickoffs uh, for the opposing team's next drive. Like, how did your drive end, and what is your opponent? What do what do NFL opponents do? After the different ways an NFL drive can end. Turnovers were by far the most beneficial way to start a drive. If you started it after a turnover, you were much more likely to score. A punt or a kickoff was roughly equal. A punt or a kickoff was roughly equal. And a uh, a turnover on downs was a little less valuable than a fumble or an interception recovery. But not a lot. They were they were close together, so I was really able to to sit and say, okay, a, a turnover on downs, or, or an interception, or a fumble recovery, ending a drive is the worst. A punt or a kickoff because you scored are roughly equal for the for the results of the following drive. Obviously, scoring means you have scored points and then you kick off which puts the other team in a less successful situation so even field goals right field goals aren't what you want you want touchdowns but a field goal is not a bad result it's it's i mean obviously you have points duh but the a made field goal and the ensuing kickoff is good for field position. It's good for the next couple of drives in determining, like, in, in creating a better situation for your defense. The Steelers with a higher scoring percentage, even though it's not touchdowns, putting their putting their defense in better situations. Steelers have a low uh, percentage of punts since the bye week. It, this is this is how you win, right? This is how you win. And it's important to note this because you can look at point totals, you can look at yardage totals, and you can say, wow, look how much the defense has improved since the bye week. And you can look at the offense and say, wow, the offense isn't any better than it was before the bye week. But the truth is actually the opposite. The offense has drastically improved and its ability to control the clock and set the tone and pace for the game to help its defense and to win games. While the defense has stayed mostly the same. Same number of plays per drive average, same scoring percentage against, but with far fewer possessions faced, more time on the sideline resting, they have drastically reduced the amount of touchdowns they've given up. And that is the significant angle for the defense. The one thing the defense has is they have given up far fewer touchdowns. That's huge. I don't want to downplay that. That's enormous. But I also think that is tied to the reduction in possessions. So for me, the improvement in the second half of this season so far has been much more about the offense playing better than the defense playing better. I say that fully knowing that right before we started talking about this, we were talking about TJ Watt. And that's another big factor. <laughs> that is as TJ Watt is a big factor even when he's not having a great season. He is a factor. The two big differences In this Steelers' success is the return of T.J. Watt and the offense controlling the game. When we get back, uh, we're going to take a little break here. When we get back, we're going to talk a little more about that. We're going to talk a little more about the offense and what has changed and what that might mean for the future and how far the Steelers may take this game plan this identity they are forging and if they're going to commit to it in the off season are they going to try and take this into next year or are they going to try and change things up we'll talk about that in the second half Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. As the season is coming to a close, the Steelers are moving from a game against the Baltimore Ravens and onto their final contest of the regular season against the Cleveland Browns. And whenever we're in the middle of rivalry games, i always I always have to take the stats, I always have to take the numbers and the film even with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's not just about efficiency it's not the when when you're playing a rival, it's just about winning, there's attitude to it there is there is history, you know it's it's more than just execution, right. I, I always gravitate towards uh, more away from statistic and, you know, analysis-based stuff into, into the, the, the emotional side of the competition, which is incredibly important, especially in football. And for that, I, like, I always gravitate towards shows that I have a little more fun with on uh, Rivalry Weeks. Uh, for example, what Yen's talking about with Greg Kreis and Greg Benevin. They do a great job uh with some humor, laughing at the social media takes. If you've seen uh, some of the people talking about this past week's game against Baltimore, uh, you can expect a good show from them this week. Uh, I always love Tony DeFeo with the Steelers six-pack. He has a good... He has a good emotional grasp of the situation. He always, he always, he always delivers some, uh, some, some very timely and very poignant commentary with, uh, with a bit with a, with a with a wry sense of humor. I like Tony's uh, state of the Steelers with Daniel J is a great place to go on a rivalry week to get your information a little bit of a more of a Steelers centered take, but it, it's going to give you a, a little more of that rivalry feel. Uh, And we run the North, Kevin Tate, they they talk the whole AFC North. That's a perfect show for this week, coming off this game against Baltimore, heading into a game against Cleveland. It's a perfect show for this week. So make sure you're staying tuned, checking out all the podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your news, analysis, opinion, everything heading into Browns week. We talked about the changes in the Steelers' offense and how, in my opinion, that's also driving some of the changes in the Steelers' defense. While being aware that T.J. Watt is also a big factor in that, we saw that this week, the one uh the one sack TJ Watt had. Fantastic play. TJ Watt still brings that playmaker ability. He hasn't had it as much with his injuries and his recovery. He's been stating that he's starting to feel more like himself late in the season here, which is good. It's it's one of the least valued things for fan perspective is how healthy a player is heading into the offseason. TJ Watt's brother, JJ Watt, talked about this. He had those strings of injuries, and he talked about how he was never fully healthy at the end of a season, and he was always rehabbing injuries instead of working on the kind of fitness and the kind of exercises, the kind of work that prevents injuries. And because he wasn't able to do that, and he was just trying to get back to being able to play, he felt that impacted his strings of injuries, right? Having injury after injury after injury. And when he finally, he talked about the one injury he had, he got better right as the season ended. And he was able to do all the work he wanted to do in the offseason and started being more healthy throughout the course of the season. I think that's that's the value in T.J. Watt getting healthy now. When you sit there and say, yeah, well, you're getting healthy right as the game ends, but that's a good sign for 2023, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks or offseason injuries, that should be a good sign for 2023. Maybe have TJ fully back paired with Alex Highsmith. That'll be something to watch if we can get that. But TJ Watts awareness, uh, TJ Watts athleticism is a weapon that creates a lot of opportunity for other defenders because of how teams have to deal with him. Because of how aware quarterbacks are of his presence, because of how well he can disengage, put that spin move to uh, any number of his disengages, and how good he is at getting to the ball, how good he is at swatting the ball. These are things that live in a quarterback's head, and they have to. If you're going to survive a game against T.J. Watt and not just get destroyed by him, you're going to have to account for that. You're going to have to be aware of it. You're going to have to be ready for it. And that... I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but I have to assume it does make a difference. I think it shows up. I think quarterbacks play just a lot worse when T.J. Watt is there, whether he's hitting them or not, just because they're aware of him. On the other side, with the reduction in number of plays, number of drives that the defense has seen since the bye week, We've seen far fewer snaps with Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi off the field. Uh, I just did a Snap Count article, and it was 16 snaps. A total of 16 snaps combined, Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Ren Hayward missed this game. The two of them together missed 16 snaps total. Cam Hayward missed 6, Larry Ogunjobi missed 10. If you only have to replace Cam Hayward for six, six snaps and he still isn't playing a lot of snaps, you're keeping his snap counts down. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. The more you are putting DeMarvin Leal inside a defensive tackle, the more you're playing Tyson Aluwalu, the more you're playing Isaiah Loudermilk, the less good your defense is going to be. The more you're playing Larry Ogunjobi and Cameron Hayward the better your defense is going to be. With these reduced possessions, we're seeing that. We're not seeing partway into a drive Cameron Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi coming out so that they can hopefully go back in when the other team gets into the red zone and, and do something to stop them. Instead, they just don't let them get down the field. They don't have to come off the field. We see that reduction in snaps also show up with Alex Highsmith, who played a 100% game. He played a complete game this past week, second time in his career. T.J. Watt has never played a complete game in his career. Alex Highsmith just played his second of his career in this game where the defense was only on the field for like 52 snaps. That helps. You have a fresh Alex Highsmith, a less worn down Alex Highsmith the entire game. That's fantastic. That's less work for the linebackers. That's less them getting blockers in their face, getting pushed around. More freedom to move. It benefited Mark Robinson a lot in his first big game action. I do want to talk about him. Uh, We'll do that in a minute here. Just the the way that snowballs down when your defensive line is Larry Ogunjobi and Cameron Hayward and not Tyson Alualu and Isaiah Loudermilk. The difference in that is, is incredible. I shouldn't have to explain how Valmar, like Cameron Hayward is that much better a football player than Tyson Aluwalu at this point. I think everyone knows that. It's a fantastic way to cover for the Steelers not very good defensive line depth right now by just not relying on them. It doesn't matter like, like it doesn't matter who your backup quarterback is if your starter doesn't miss any time. It doesn't matter if your defensive line depth isn't as good as it needs to be if you don't have to use it much. If really they only need to be out there for 16 snaps? That's incredible. I you want to talk about DeMarvin Leal. He had a great game this week. Uh, the Steelers have been using a 4-4. I've heard more people talk about it. I've seen mentions of it on Twitter. There, a lot of people call it a 6-2 defense. It's not really a 6-2 defense. It's got four defensive linemen. It's got four linebackers. Uh, just because the Steelers often put their linebackers up on the line of scrimmage, you can call it a 6-2. You can call it a 4-4. Whatever. I call it a 4-4. In that set, Demarvin Liao plays defensive end, and then has usually Alex Highsmith or, or T.J. Watt outside of him. But he has been doing a fantastic job in that role specifically. He's been good in other roles as a three, as a five tech, as a three tech. He's been good. That's a, a traditional three-four defensive end and a uh, more penetration-oriented. Uh, defensive tackle kind of role, 2-I-3. Leal L- has been good in those roles. His return has been a boost to the defense, and he played a really good game against the Ravens. He was fourth in snaps behind Hayward, Ogunjobi, and Montravius Adams, and he played over 50%. He played over half the game. And he did well. With his uptick in usage, also came an uptick in Mark Robinson's usage. Mark Robinson, of course, the seventh round rookie linebacker the Steelers drafted this year. He was a running back, transferred around the league a bit, around college football a bit, switched to inside linebacker and played one full season at inside linebacker. And the CEOs drafted him in the seventh round. He was super aggressive in run defense. Missed some tackles. Wasn't wasn't the best at finishing the play. But his aggressiveness paid off a lot. Makes him very hard to block. Makes him very hard to block. And he doesn't miss the play. I can think back to when Larry Foote was uh, a young Steeler linebacker and he would shoot through gaps on run plays and, and just completely miss the play, right? He would penetrate, but he wouldn't be in the right spot. And then his second season, that kind of went away, and, and he was much more uh, concerned with not being in the wrong place than than trying to make a play. And then it kind of came full circle as he learned that he he became a better playmaker. I think we're going to see a kind of growth like that with Mark Robinson, but Mark Robinson hits his marks. He sees run plays and hits the right spot very quickly. Obviously, you'd like to see him finish off J.K. Dobbins on a few of those runs where he hit him and then Dobbins still ran for 12 yards. But for a first time seeing real action, Mark Robinson is well ahead of the curve. If we're looking at Mark Robinson saying maybe he could be another Vince Williams, well, he's ahead of the Vince Williams curve right now. He is better as a rookie than Vince Williams was. He did get taken advantage of uh, by Mark Andrews. Lots of people do. The Steelers actually took him out, put in Devin Bush, and Devin Bush got beat by Mark Andrews on a very similar play, and the the Steelers kind of went back to Mark Robinson more after that. Uh, Devin Bush had only played five snaps. What a, what a game he had. What the, it, and it's, it's something to me to see Robert Spillane playing 100% of the game, playing a complete game, Mark Robinson playing a bunch of snaps, and Devin Bush and Miles Jack. Obviously, Miles Jack was injured, but they combined for 11 snaps in this game. And the Steelers got the job done. The last thing I want to talk about is the offensive execution. The Steelers' offensive line is the story of this game. Much more than Kenny Pickett, much more than literally anything else. The Steelers' offensive line is the story of this game. They have been executing better. They have been working together, communicating better solidly throughout the course of the season. They're not missing time. They're playing such incredibly high percentages of snaps. They're getting experience playing with together with each other. It's, it's fabulous. But this game saw a different kind of step up. This game saw this, the Steelers offensive line be the physical aggressors and dominate the line of scrimmage. That is not something we have seen from them. And it was big in this game. It was the main difference in this game. The Seahawks ran for 198 yards because that offensive line was paving the way. And you could see as the game went on how the offensive line play was firing up Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They had a little more, you know, acceleration. They were cutting sharper. They were just dialed in better having those advantages with them. Right? If you're if you're having to dodge people in the backfield, that's tough. If you're getting two three yards and then being able to hit a defensive back, do stuff like that. That's what running backs love. That's what they play for. They get excited. They run harder because the yards are there. It's not I've got to be wary. Find out I've got to be alert. See exactly where the pressure. You know who who's going to be in the backfield this play. How do I dodge them? You're not thinking like that. You're just running hard. And it it's fantastic to see. That was fantastic to see. I think that's the number one takeaway from the offense. Kenny Pickett again with the game winning drive. Uh it's weird that two games in a row we've had a game winning drive and then an interception to to seal it, and then we just run the clock out. Uh that's that's not usually a thing that happens multiple weeks in a row, but it did this time. We've had two in a row. Kenny Pickett is getting there. And we're we're in the spot where the debate on the offense comes down to how good is the offense coordinator. Because now the offense is starting to function. We're starting to see the vision the Steelers had when they hired Matt Canada. We're starting to see that offense that is dominating time of possessions, is moving the ball well. Now, here's the problem. Is it working well because the players are carrying a subpar offense? Is it working well because the players are finally executing his offense well? Is this offense something that's capable of even more, but is being held back by a rookie quarterback or lack of execution? These are really hard things to evaluate. And that's what the Steelers' challenge is going forward. Is that right there? We also have to consider Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett seem to have a good relationship. Do you want to swap your quarterback's offense coordinator and have him have to learn a new offense going into his second season? Or do we let him see how far this offense can go with Kenny Pickett? These are the questions we're going to be facing in the future. Uh, But they're questions that have become questions. We all knew Matt Canada was terrible. We didn't know if Kenny Pickett was any good because the offense was terrible. Well, now the offense isn't terrible. There's a lot of good in this offense. That jet sweep by Jalen Warren was fantastic. That's a Matt Canada thing. Matt Canada has run two running backs on the field at the same time, quite a bit in college. He's got Jalen Warren and Najee Harris now. It looks like they're heading that direction. That's great. That's much better than running the wheels off of Najee Harris. Much better. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. That's my show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you for listening. Have a great week. And as always, let's go steal.